Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Only on Hulu, Friday. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Why this Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Streaming only on Hulu. Friday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Welcome back to We Want Winners, Roderick Adams. How are you, sir, this, uh, this, this evening, this, this late evening for us? Excellent. Excellent. Excited about talking a little 49er football with you here. Yeah, no. How are you? I'm excited, too. Uh, I, I'm very good. I also want to say happy Father's Day. It is still Father's Day as we're recording, if you're watching on YouTube as well. It is still Sunday. And I want to acknowledge uh, Monday, when most people will listen on the podcast, uh, Juneteenth. Uh, I want to acknowledge Juneteenth. Uh, I am, you know, I was thinking about this because this is a a new federal holiday the last few years. And there's so many things that I've been talking to people about uh, before it became a holiday. And one of the things was uh, the Tulsa massacre, which nobody ever taught me in school. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, you know, something like that could happen. And it could just be sort of thrown under the rug. So this year for, for Juneteenth, I'm, I do have the day off, but I'm going to do some research and, and read up on, on some of the stories that we were never taught. And you know what, you know what I bought? And I haven't read this book since college. But I bought uh, The Invisible Man, and I'm going to reread it at some point. I won't be one of my favorite books of all time. My my uncle gave that book to me when I was 13 years old, and it like literally changed my life. It was my favorite book that I ever read in school. Has nothing to do with anything that I ever studied, but just one of those things where you had the right teacher and the and the right book, and really uh, just fascinating stuff. And so. One of my goals for the rest of this year is just I'm going to read through that book again and look at it through the eyes of someone who was in their 40s rather than someone who was, you know, in their late teens. So I think that'll be fascinating. But uh, let's get going with some 49er stuff here. And we don't really have a giant, uh, I would say, rundown. It's like not anything that. I was able to put together scouring through the blogs and through the athletic. It's, I mean, really the end of OTAs were kind of in, in waiting mode until the preseason starts. And so there's not a ton to talk about, but you know, there are a few stories uh, out there. The one major one, I guess, if you can talk about an unsigned rock star uh, that is Nick Bosa and his contract. And as I mean, kudos to him. He was there at the OTAs, so it's not like he didn't go. We know what happened last year with Debo, and Debo himself acknowledged this year that the holdout sort of affected him a little bit, and maybe that maybe there's frustration in, in just having to deal with that contract. And you know, we know he was, you know, he was running back and a wide receiver, and he wanted this value, and he struggled last year. He didn't have a great season. Also was was injured, but he mentioned that that was part of it he thought was just this back and forth with the team and not having that thing locked in and remember when he took the 49ers off his instagram likes and and such uh what did you think of debo's comments before we even get to nick were you surprised that he acknowledged that as being part of the frustration for last year i mean that was what i was going to circle back and ask you but okay well i'll start i i do mean it's understandable that you know 
the NFL is of all the professional sports, it is your window to make your money is the shortest. And it's gotta be stressful, you know, when you feel like this, you know, this might, you know, the way his deal is structured, it's possible that he gets another bite at the apple at another, you know, because theoretically at 28, he could still be, you know, uh, uh, at the top of the league type player, but there's no guarantee of that. So I imagine it has to be sort of stressful, um, especially with if, if, what I believe to be the case is true that Parag is kind of a dick when it comes to <laughs> negotiating contract, which is his, that's his, that's his job. To, yeah, that's his to job. be perfectly clear, that's his job. His job is not to be, you know, his job is to, to protect the interests of the team and to try to, to drive the hardest bargain and get the best deal that he can mm-hmm. for his employer. So I'm, I'm, I say that not as necessarily a dig, but you know, I imagine that every negative thing that his Tim and his team can, you know, throw at you is what is, you know, that's just part of a negotiation, which is why I believe you should have an agent because it, in, in that kind of environment, I believe in any kind of environment, if that is the tone and tenor of a negotiation, it's hard for you to go through that as the, employee yeah and then once everything is settled now everything is cool yeah so you shouldn't hear any of that stuff which is why i think it's weird you know it's not weird you know in this day and time players are more involved than ever in their negotiations which i mean that's fine i mean it's your it's it's your business so you should be involved in it but i don't know that it's wise to be in the trenches um your i believe your agent should just give you a recap of how they're how it's going i don't think that you need to be hearing every negative stat and you know report about well uh, you know there was one wednesday when he came to lunch and he yeah. was you know just i i know I've never negotiated a contract to the level of Devo, but I have worked in contract jobs and that's how this shit goes. Yeah. They they are looking to lowball you and anything when you were late three days, you know, it, they'll use anything they can to lower your value. That's just what they do. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine the way, especially because it seemed like that was at points was a pretty acrimonious um negotiation yeah so you know i could see where that um that that could mess with him and then but i think it this thinking about and re- his comments and then when you told me that you were this was the topic you know i kind of was doing some research of my own and what do you do you think there is a value in not having that kind of acrimony heading into training camp or do you think that it's fine just to have to negotiate that shit all the way up to the time and then you know because it is our history that the deals get done yeah you know everybody has gotten done you know there haven't been we haven't had any holdouts but everybody has had to fight to get their money. Um, and I, Do you I, remember the, the famous one that didn't get done before the season started? And this isn't 49ers. This is actually uh, one of our rivals. Oh, uh, which one? Uh, 1992 or 93. Emmett. Emmett Smith. His deal doesn't get done. Dallas loses the first two games of the season. That deal was done before week three started. I just think that that is a, I mean, I understand driving a hard bargain. If that is how you, you know, as a business owner, it would be my job. I I would strive to be fair. I wouldn't be trying to nickel and dime a dude, you know, to, to get the, the, the best price, but that's just me. But so if that's how you want to do it, that's, and it seems like that's what Jerry 
his deal is to try to, you know, it's business. It, yeah, it, it, and it's that's a, fine. And, and that's that is the the probably the tact that every owner wants Jerry to take, right? Because he's the most powerful guy. If Jerry does it, then when we do it, then we have sort of consensus, and that's why the ownership group in the NFL is, you know, one of the strongest groups out there. Like the players, uh, I think I, I feel like the players in basketball uh, have have a little bit more of the leverage than uh, players in football. And baseball can be fifty fifty. I think baseball players have actually gotten the uh, the raw end of the deal in the last two labor negotiations, but historically. You know they were the they were the ones who were able to fight for the most uh, early on, but even in that case, that them taking the shorter end of the stick has only moved things closer to the middle because there was a time there where they had their foot on the owner's throats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but what I think that that business um, viewpoint neglects is there is a personal side to this business that um it doesn't really i mean because in i mean i guess if you think about like coal miners or salt mine workers they're putting their lives on the line when they come to work every day i guess i guess in police yeah like that but um in sports really the nfl is different in that in that you know these dudes literally are putting their lives on the line when they go out there so i that's why i think any money that they get is wholly worth it, especially when you look at not only not being melodramatic about putting their lives on the line, but when you just look at what the trajectory of the lives of NFL players looks like at 50 and 60 and 70 for the sacrifices they made to play this sport, it's hard for me to to sympathize with billionaires about an extra million dollars to this guy or that guy, especially when, you know, you know, you're going to cut off their insurance <laughs> five years after they, um, yeah. are out of the league. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So they should, I think they should get their money. And I think it, it, um, I, I understand that that's just the way we do business and that we, you know, we're going to drive a hard bargain, but I, I don't think that that is, it's not necessarily conducive to, um, I, I can see where um, a guy, especially if it's a team leader, um, if he's got to fight, you know, tooth and nail to get his money, you know, it's God, there's got to be kind of a sentiment that, I mean, God damn, if they'll do him like that, then what in the hell, <laughs> what are they going to do? You know, if Lamar has to fight tooth and nail to get his money, you know, if I'm Devin DuVernay, what chance do <laughs> I have of getting a fair deal off the rip? Okay, I'm, not I'm, much. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to mention a book that I'm reading, and it will feel like a tangent. It's a small one, but I, I'll, I'll wrap it back into kind of the discussion we're having. So Howard Bryant, wrote uh, a biography on Ricky Henderson. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It's more, it's, it's a study, not only in Ricky on the field, but it's a study in perception and how athletes, uh, especially African-American athletes in the eighties were viewed like just stereotyped all to hell. And Ricky was, very much at the forefront of being like, I'm going to play, but I'm going to use my leverage to make sure that I feel like I'm being valued and I'm getting what I'm worth. And Joe fan and think of the baseball fan demographics uh, at that time. I don't know how different they are today, but the world mm -hmm. is definitely different. You know, we're talking uh, 45 years ago when, mm -hmm. when Ricky came in. And so the Joe fan perception was these guys get to play a game that I would play for free. So thus, whenever they bitch and moan about money, they're just being selfish. And the flip side of that is, well, if the players are, are complaining about money, then that just means the owners are not 
giving them what they think that they're worth. So you're siding with the owners in, in that argument. And I would say, I mean, as a kid, I was, I was definitely lean player because I just couldn't understand how Michael Jordan could make $3 million and be the best player in the world. And Scottie Pippen could make $2 million. And they were just like on these long contracts and in reading back and going through the history of how that worked is, you know, in the NBA, you would draft this young man who may not have more than likely came from a poor background and you would th- dangle this contract in front of his face that says, look, for five years, you're going to be making more money than you ever believed that you were going to make. And because of growing up poor and, you know, my my mom, uh, she would tell me stories of of her childhood. You know, they're Japanese uh, Americans, but their parents, you know, were were not necessarily born in the U.S. So, you know, be, being Japanese in the U.S. post World War II is not the greatest time in the a, world, it was right? A rough ride. That's a rough ride. And so she would tell me just like the poor person mentality. Like you are, you are, you have this. Lot, you have society telling you that because you are poor, this is how you had to deal. And so you can imagine these NBA players like Scottie Pippen signs this long term deal because it's security for him. And he doesn't have to worry about being poor for seven years. But instead, what he does is he locks himself into this contract. When that he outperformed that he, he, just, he way outperformed and he had an owner that said, no matter what, you're going to live up to your contract, and and that's that. So, you know, just this idea of value of an athlete and how much somebody is worth. Now, the NBA today, uh, Bradley Beal just is in the like. I don't know if it's a done deal, but he's going to be traded the Suns. And I was looking at contracts for the Suns. Uh, Devin Booker, who's a fantastic player, Devin Booker's at the end of his first. Uh, I think it's his first big deal and he'll have to sign one after next year's season. And the estimate for Devin Booker is that by the end of his next five-year deal, he'll be making $65 million per year. So that's just the NBA salary cap for superstars is increasing. So we have come a long way from Ricky Henderson having to, you know, basically scrape for, what he feels is his value to, to now, but still in the NFL, I feel like the NFL is really built on a lot of these old stereotypes because of the idea that athletes are short-term investments in because of what you just said, which is football's a violent sport. And only the quarterbacks will get these really long-term deals because these teams lock the quarterbacks in knowing that they're the face of the team, knowing that they're the marketing Avenue of the team, knowing that if you don't have one of these 10 guys, there's a good chance that you're not going very far. And so the quarterbacks have it on lock, but everybody else is really on these shorter deals. No guarantee. You know, the guarantees are smaller. Uh, I remember when I was growing up, uh, my next door neighbor, he would say, Oh yeah, did you hear, you know, X, Y, and Z signed this contract? I was like, yeah, wow, you know, that's a giant contract. And he's like, it's not really. Like, look at the guaranteed money. And then so All then I'd matters. look at the guaranteed money and it'd be like, you know, five-year deal, you know, $75 million and 14 guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the the number is that's 14. The number not 75. So the NFL, all the rest of it is funny money, right? The NFL has these (laughs) funky cap gymnastics and everybody restructures to fit more guys in. And you're, you're basically pushing, you know, you're either getting money, more money up front, or you're pushing it into the back end of the contract. And so that aspect of football more so than any other sport of the big three in the U S I think leaves some distrust with the players because if you sign this deal, like, and we're going to talk about Bosa's deal here in a second. Um, if you're Nick Bosa and you go, okay, I'm signing this four or five or six or $7 million deal. You know that after that third or fourth year, more than likely they're going to come back to you and say, can we redo this? We'll give you more money here. We're going to push it here. 
and you're not you're probably not going to say no because they're going to make it beneficial to you in, in the short run. But your contract is not really your contract in the NFL, and it's going to get moved and changed and restructured, and they're going to take money here, and they're going to put it here. So I can imagine for NFL players the trust in the organization, knowing that you are sort of seen in the way that you are, the second Nick blows out his knee, which he's done once, mm-hmm. and he loses three-tenths of a second off the line, he's really no good to the 49ers anymore. And then it's, see you later, buddy. You got to find another team, and you got to, you know, someone who's going to reinvest in you. So I say that to say this, which is there's going to be stuff coming out. Oh, Nick Bosa. Oh, he's going to, you know, he wants the world. And I'm like, brother, you get that. Whatever that number is, you go and get it. Uh, And I don't know if you saw his quote, uh, but they asked him, they said, you know, Aaron Donald's highest paid defensive player. You know, what do you think? And he says, I think I'll get what I deserve. So, yeah. And he's got an agent that is going to get, you know, I, I, at the his at his exit interview for the season, he said he wasn't worried about being the highest paid player because he, he doesn't have to because that's his agent's job is yeah. to worry about him being the highest paid player. Absolutely. So yeah, that's that's the that's a nice thing to say because I think he understands. He grew up in a football family. He knows how the fans are. It that's like of all the things, especially our fan base, which is is just the weirdest thing. The, the most frustrating thing to me is how these overwhelmingly labor-based folks end up siding on management side anytime there is a, 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 you know, a contract dispute. Why would you care what the suits? I mean, what do you care about Jed's money? Yeah. I, don't, I don't give a damn. P- give him, I get it, take it all, Debo. Take Jet. it all. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Jed could could get out of the 49er business. And now, really, he's kind of the face, but it really is, I think, still more so his parents' money than it is his mm-hmm. money. He could get out of this 49er business and probably get, what do you think, nine or 10, mil, 10 billion for the Niners? That was something that I, you know, it, it is it, it's slow. It's a slow news cycle. And that was something that I, um, postulated in one of the groups um two weeks ago is pif comes to jed that the current value of the 49ers is roughly six billion dollars um pif which is the saudi sovereign fund mm-hmm. that started live and whatnot they come to jed and say we'll give you 18 billion again i don't know the the sovereign funds were just allowed um, in this in this net in this last in NBA CBA to buy into franchises, so now sovereign funds can own portion. They can't own them directly, but they can invest in funds that own 
sure. NBA teams. So I know that Saudi money is coming to the NFL mm-hmm. at some point. But my the question was just in a hypothetical world where it was legal, if they come to Jed and say eighteen billion for the 49ers, how does he say no? You know, the and I and I I use Jed as an example because he's my he's the owner of my team. And he's but, not one of the richest guys either. Exactly. That was what I was gonna say, but it that applies to all the have not special the old guard owners, you know. He's Mike got more Brown, money than Mark than Mark Davis, by the Mike way. Mike Brown, <laughs> Mark Davis, Jed York, they are NFL owners just like the um Allen Trust, um Stan Kroenke, the Waltons, <laughs> but they ain't the same. No. I mean, they, they, they are they are not the same in terms of, you know, Jed and those guys. You know, when you look at Forbes and it says their net worth, it ma- matches dollar for dollar with the value of their franchise. Yes. Whereas the Waltons, I mean, <laughs> we are giving him money. They're making money every day um, a- completely apart from the NFL. The NFL, that they're, the Broncos are a small, I mean, not even, it's like, not even a, you know, it's, it's like a hobby. I mean, their money is so long, you know, the Hunt family in Kansas city, uh, you know, there are a lot of very, very rich families, NFL teams. And then you got Mark Davis and, you know, who daddy hustled that team basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's not the same. So I think that if it becomes a point where, um, these old guard owners can find some rich pockets. I think that they, you know, I know that there's a, a mechanism that makes it very difficult to become, you know, basically they got to vote you into the club. Yeah. But the fact is that if by voting you into the club, they're able to increase the value of their franchise. I don't see, like I say, if, if somebody was to come to, uh, a Jed or a Virginia McCaskey with a sweetheart offer that is triple the value of the franchise. I have a hard time believing that um, NFL owners are going to be voting <laughs> against bringing that money in. Yeah, because uh, so it, you know it. It you know it rises all ties. You mentioned uh, the Waltons. I listen to a podcast. It's a business podcast called Acquired. And they basically study companies and, and successful companies, uh, the story, the origin story, all the way through current day. And they just did Walmart not too long ago. And that story of Walmart was was really fascinating because it was run. I mean, it was a mom and pop shop that they franchised. And, you know, back in the day, it was all dollar stores and and these, you know, these r- r- really uh, cheap you know, cheap goods and, and such. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they created Walmart out of that. And I've also listened to another podcast, uh, uh, on Wondery, the Wondery app where it's, uh, Walmart versus target. And they kind of talk about the back and forth of both of That's those. Interesting. Both of those. I need to, you know, I'm gonna need to be start taking notes. <laughs> you, um, you, you are dropping some gems today. All of that sounds very interesting. I'm definitely going to check those out. Yeah. Um, I, um, it was on a, cross country drive that the power of Walmart struck me because I mean, there are a lot of places where these little dinky towns, yeah. that's all there is, is a Walmart. And, but it was, it was just, that's the type of sh- stuff that fascinates me. Oh, it's yeah. like McDonald's and like Walmart and how the Walmart in Podunk, Arkansas can look just like the Walmart <laughs> right down the street from my house. I mean, they, you know, the, the ability to run a large operation like that under, you know, very, very organized and standardized SOPs is something that is just, it's like, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a wonder to me to be able to do that. Yeah, no, that, the, all that stuff is, is amazing. But you know, the, you know, Bezos and Elon Musk, you know, we're, we're going in a different direction, yeah, but yeah. just the, the, the ability to how rich you can 
get, um, you know, is it's really the, the, the we have the the some of the, it's kind of it's it's not it's not sad. I guess it is kind of sad, but to have such rich people and to still have poor people, it, it kind of boggles your mind, right? Yeah. Like because how can you still have like... poor people when the economy can give you this as well? So right. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about a little bit more about Nick. And before that, I wanted to shout out our guy Shelvin. Shelvin uh, is is the most loyal guy for us. He's he's our guy. Uh, love Shelvin. Happy Father's Day to you, Shelvin. Happy Father's Day, Shelvin. Uh, hope that you had a great day with with the fam. Uh, and so I did a little. I did a small bit of research. Not not a lot. Just I just looked up a list. Now I don't know. This is from January of 2023, so about six months ago, this list was uh, published. And this is now, this is the highest paid player by annual average salary provided by our good friends at uh, SpotTrack. Now, Mm -hmm. the problem is, Here's what I don't know, which is what we just talked about, which is the guaranteed money. But their I've list, got that too. Okay, their list of the top five players on the defensive side who make the most money on average goes like this. Well, we'll actually we'll start from number five and and go up. Uh, there are there are three guys tied for for five: Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, Tennessee. Max Crosby, defensive end for the Raiders. Khalil Mack, linebacker for the Chargers. Miles Garrett, uh, defensive end for the Browns. Now, those guys were 23.5, and Miles Garrett was 25. Joey Bosa, it's a familiar last name, sitting there at number three. <coughs> won it with 27 million. And TJ Watt is number two at 28. And the number one guy on average is Aaron Donald at 31, six. So I would imagine that part of this calculus for the 49ers is whatever that number becomes for Bosa, by the time that they finish this contract, he is going to be ahead of Aaron Donald in that spot track list because that matters. Not only to probably matters more to the agent than it does to Bosa, uh, but what like what does it tell you about the NFL when you see those numbers? Because th- those numbers look pretty big, and we just got done saying the only players that really get paid are the quarterbacks. But those numbers for defensive players look really, really large. Is there uh, is there any sort of uh, magic tricks going on here or do you do you think that you know the the NFL is is really getting better at paying their top stars well Mary, you got several things going on is that you know the influx of that gambling and TV money has just made you know the, the salary cap is gonna gonna go up by what I saw the estimate is like between 17 and 20 million dollars for the next. 10 years yep. over the life of that TV deal. Yep. And the, um, so the players, you know, just by, by law, they get, yeah, I think it's, I think the number is 53% of the gross revenue is how the cap is um, calculated. So that's fixed, you know, how it's distributed amongst them is what, what's at issue um, amongst the players. But, so the 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 sea is rising for all the players. But what's interesting on this list, and I wanted to ask you, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, is what do you think Bosa and his team want to value, um, prioritize versus what the 49ers want to prioritize? In that um, Aaron Donald is by average annual value the highest paid defensive player, but he only got 46.5 only <laughs> got $46.5 <laughs> million um, guaranteed at signing. 
Yeah. Because he signed a shorter term deal. He, his deal is only three years. Um, because, you know, ever since two years ago, he is, um, was, has been talking about retiring and right. whatnot. But whereas, um, um, Bosa, uh, or no, so is what, what got the, is the leader in the clubhouse with total guaranteed at signing, which mm -hmm. was $80 million. So my question to you was, do what do you think Bosa will value or prioritize? Will it be being both the highest annual paid and the highest guaranteed at signing? Do you think they would have any appetite for signing a shorter term deal like Debo did um, with the thought that um, if I like this, if I'm Nick and I sign a three year deal, I already know that um, Michael Parsons is most likely in the next year, year and a half or two years going to reset the market. So whatever I sign for this offseason, Mike is going to reset that market in two years and then if I'm on a three-year deal, when he does that, I can go get another bite of the apple. That would sound, you know, I understand. It's, I'm, it's not the risk that I'm taking. It's the risk that he's taking. But I would think that that would be in play. But I know if I'm the Niners, I don't know that I want to be in a situation where I have to, you know, go do this dance again, you know, with a 27-year-old. Yep. Um, Nick Bosa, who is still, you know, it, barring any kind of injury, which should still be, you know, should still be in his prime. Um, so what are your thoughts on that on both sides? On what what do you think um Nick would be or should be prioritizing versus um the Niners? <clears throat> I, I looked at ages of guys who are in the top uh, five or so. And Max Crosby is the only guy who is as young as Nick is. And his guarantee is so much smaller than the other guys that we talked about. He, he was only guaranteed 26.5. Whereas you already mentioned TJ Watt. Bosa's at was at 78. Um, Aaron Donald was, was guaranteed uh, what was he guaranteed? 46. So I think if I was Bosa, what I would want is a, let's say five-year deal where I could opt out out of three after the third year for the reason that you just suggested, which is I want to see how the market resets itself after three years. Now, what the 49ers would probably want to do is go, well, we'll pay you more guaranteed up front without that opt-out so that they could keep him for much longer and maybe sort of predict that he's going to still play at that high level and he'll still be one of the, the higher-paid guys. But because of what you just said, I don't know, it was about five minutes ago, which is they signed this, NFL signed this 11-year television deal to an obscene amount of money. Now, in 11 years, we're talking 2034. What is cable going to look like? When you and I were growing up, or, you know, when we were young adults, there were ESPN was probably in 115 million households or something like that. ESPN is currently in about 70 million households. So you're talking about a shrinkage rate right there uh, of, of a high number. It's only going down. Now, cable may plateau to where maybe the bottom is there will, all, there will always be around 40 million people subscribe to cable. So what the NFL did is they they went, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll still have some, some games on the NFL network. We'll still have some games uh, on ESPN. But what we really want to do is we want to make sure that we're going back. We we want a heavy dose of broadcast TV. So Fox, um, Sunday Night Football, 
CBS. Like those are the main players for them because what they realize is, you know, who knows in, in three years, maybe the cable industry just explodes and dies and we're tied up in this cable money. Let's make sure we have the broadcast money. And at the time I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like they're not really betting on streaming that much. They're betting on broadcast television. And, well, but oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. So, so the point, the, the point that I was basically trying to make is when you are the most powerful entity in television and you make this deal, which basically says like, yeah, we believe in, in broadcast and you sign like this giant television deal there, what they're going to be able to do with that money uh, and these teams is not, not endless, but it's nothing that, that we've really seen. Now the NBA had an interesting thing and, and I'll, I'll again, small tangent. I'll tie this back in uh, the year before Kevin Durant came to the Warriors was the beginning of the new CBA and the new, not to CBA, the C- new, new TV deal with the NBA and the NBA players association had an opportunity to take this spike of money that was coming in <laughs> and they could smooth it out and stretch it out over multiple, multiple years. And they voted to spike it in the one year. So all of a sudden, thanks to this spike, now the Warriors have room to add Kevin Durant to their salary cap. And then we know the whole thing, right? So the NFL is going to have this influx of money. Like you said, it's just going to keep going up, going up, going up, going up. So Bosa's agent knows that. And I don't think he's going to want to lock Bosa in to a point where, you know, two years down the line, Bosa's not in that top five list. And he may be lower in that top five. He may be like top 10. And you want to have the ability to restructure at that point. Because like I said, the teams are going to restructure because it benefits the salary cap and, and the overall team. And football is this thing about, you know, you're part of a team and, you know, you're rubbing your backs up against the wall with your teammates. And and it's this, you know, this war metaphor, sometimes this military metaphor. And they use that because, you know, Hey, 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 Nick, you know, we want to bring in somebody to, uh, to take some snaps off of you because, you know, we know that it'll make you better and he's about winning and he may agree and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll restructure so we can bring it. So we can bring in, you know, whoever the next, you know, end is to, 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 to help the 49ers. And so I, to answer your question in this long winded way, I would sign the five-year deal. I would sign the flashy deal where he's the highest paid player in the NFL on the defensive side. But I would also give myself the opportunity to opt out and reset everything because, like you said, it's going to go crazy. And the and people who are all about getting their money right now will take the money. And then in three or four years, if they're still at that high level, then they're going to be upset that everyone around them is making more money. That is where I landed on it as a player. I would be willing, you know, whichever one I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't press on both, whichever one make means the most to me. I, you know, okay. I'd rather be the highest paid per annual basis. Um, and I would take a little less long-term guaranteed money to secure those opt-outs because I, I mean i understand it's negotiation it's hard to say i want to be the highest paid annually and i want to have the highest paid guaranteed money and i want to be able to opt out <laughs> in three years i mean i you know that's going to be a hard negotiation because where is the win in it for the 49ers that's all bad for them um you know so in a in a in a perfect world for for them is that okay it's either it's going to be either or either we're going to give you a ton of guaranteed money fully guaranteed money or we're going to give you a bunch of money you know obviously he's going to get a big signing bonus and then, but then we'll pay you annually 
at the top of the league, but we can't give you all of that. So I think I would prioritize, you know, having the option, the op- the ability to opt out. But there were two other things you said. Number one, that just didn't make sense to me. Can you imagine at your job if they came to you and said, <laughs> hey, Jimmy, um, we want to pay Mike a little bit more. Why don't you go ahead and take this pay cut so we can give Mike some money. I love Mike, but Mike's getting paid. It has nothing to goddamn do with me. You know, yeah. that you guys need to work that out. And two, if I'm a player and anybody that I love, if they come to me talking about renegotiation, we're we going to be on the Bobby Bonilla program. <laughs> sure. You can, we can renegotiate, but you can give me a million dollars for the next 30 years. Well, that, if we, if we want to renegotiate that way, I can do that. And and here's the thing, right? Is the the 49ers would probably say, we're not taking anything away. We're just sort of stretching it out. You're still going to get it. You're just going to get it in a different way. And if I am that person, I go, well, I'll take it now because I can invest it <laughs> right. and make more money than you're going to pay me for for that length. So that that it's an interesting cat and mouse game, and uh, you know it also it's also what makes sports so super interesting. Uh, Shelvin had a note that I think you were kind of leading to. Uh, Shelvin wanted to know how the YouTube uh, the YouTube game I was thinking about the, the season thing well. was going to go. So this is fantastic for the NFL. Uh, this is fantastic for Amazon. We saw the Amazon deal last year. Now the Amazon deal, if you took away if you looked at like the average uh, viewership, the streaming was down from uh, the, the normal numbers, but where they rose was in younger audience. And that's where the, their bet is, is in the younger audience because you can lock in. They, they feel now this is old school sort of television ratings and, and, and marketing and, and stuff. The idea is between the years of 18 and 49, I don't know why the number is so huge, but the belief is that that demographic, that number of people are not yet locked in to what they are going to basically be locked into for the rest of your life. So if you're Bud and Michelob, you're hitting that, that that's the audience you want to hit. Because you want to change them to your beer, essentially. Mm-hmm. The older you get, you know, the 50 and ups, even though those of us who are a little older, we actually have a lot more money than the 18 mm-hmm. to 49s. They feel like we are locked in to the brands that we are going to be loyal to at that point. So that's why this number is so important. And so the Amazon number, I think it's the 18 to 34 number. So they even shortened it. Like that number was way, way, way up, which makes sense because young people more than likely are going to be into streaming and not as into cable. Cable's expensive. You can, you know, you can go go. Oh, so to that extent, Amazon's number, while lower on the average number of viewers, was actually higher in the demographics that the NFL wants to reach, which is why I think that they're okay with that number as long as that number doesn't continue to go down. Um, so the Amazon thing is uh I think. I think a lot of people want it to fail because they don't like going to Amazon and having to open up the app to watch the game. But I think as long as that number stays around the same, more people are going to be subscribing to prime. More people are going to be going there. Uh, so that'll be fine. But now that the YouTube question, this one is interesting. Cause this is where the people who subscribe to the ticket, uh, those are your hardcore view, hardcore of the hardcores, right? It is. If I had moved, like, like, say I went to go, you know, live near Shelvin. I don't get the 49ers locally. And so I would have to buy this ticket to, to watch every single game. The data is going to be fascinating because YouTube is going to be able to track everything. Now, I don't think they're going to make that data very available to people, but they're going to know to the second like, like, let's say Shelvin gets this YouTube direct ticket. They're going to know by the second what screen Shelvin has showing and 
which one he's got the audio on when he's in the four box thing and which, you know, does he do the fantasy channel or not? And they're going to have so much data that I think they're just going to rev and rev and rev and rev and rev. So this version of the YouTube product will probably be very similar to the direct TV product just on a, on a stream. So I'm a little worried uh, on week one, if they're going to be able to hold that stream for everybody, cause it's brand new. I would imagine it's going to get so much more personalized as the years go by, which will be cool. Might be a little, little creepy and big brotherish at the same time. Um, but they didn't pay all that money to get this thing for, you know, just to have it, you know, they, they want a relationship with the NFL. It's going to help their live TV sales, because if you are a subscriber to YouTube live TV, you're going to get a discount on this package. And if you're not a subscriber to YouTube live TV, you're going to pay, you know, whatever the full price is, I think even more expensive than the direct TV thing. But this is these, this is all about learning about viewership and doing it at even a more granular granular level than current TV is able to do because they just don't have the data. So I think it's a fascinating study. I just hope that it is, it doesn't screw up and people get mad. Cause I think it was, there's been a couple years where first week on direct ticket and the thing was just not working. And I mean, can you imagine first week of the NFL and you can't watch your team because of stupid technology? Like that's so crazy. That, yeah. But yeah, the, but I, the thing that struck me, in the earlier conversation when you're talking about cable viewership is it YouTube I mean, there's, there's, it's impossible for an ESPN or any cable entity to have the eyeballs that YouTube has. I mean, everybody theoretically, if you got a phone, anybody with a phone has access to YouTube in a way that, you know, the barrier to entry for, ESPN, let's say, is a lot higher than it is for YouTube. Um, now, I'm not saying everybody can afford YouTube TV or the ticket or whatever, but theoretically, you have more. And I, and I think as we move forward, I don't think, you know, I've heard people theorize that it's going to be um, as expensive or even more expensive than it was on direct TV. But I think it's going to be the opposite because just like you said, this is not a revenue play for your YouTube direct ticket money. They've got, they, they can monetize you in so many different ways. It could be kind of like the cell phone thing. Like back in the day, they give you the damn phone yeah. um, because, <laughs> you know, that for the phone companies, they're making the money off you for two years. The money wasn't in the phone. So just like you were just, you laid, you did a beautiful job of laying out for YouTube. The money is not in giving you access to the football. The money is in, um, the access to your watching habits and the data that they're able to accrue by giving you access to that football. So they're going to be, YouTube is going to monetize this shit to death on the back end. So yeah, I, I it's going to be fascinating to watch and see how this plays out. And like you say that, you had you mentioned it and I hadn't really thought about it, but it's going to be interesting to see how personalized as we move forward your viewing experience becomes as an NFL fan through you know you YouTube being able to give you what it is that you want what you may you might even re, not even realize the way you want it they're able to give it to you in a way that is specifically tailored to the your watching habits because like you say they're watching you watch so yeah. they know exactly what you want yeah so they yeah. can give it to you in a way mm. that um you know that keeps you coming back the the other small part of the and not even a small part but youtube has the, now has a foot in the door with the nfl and you become one of their providers and the next time you know these these rights come up and like I said, maybe in 11 years, cable is in the completely done. And maybe even the way we currently watch TV 
has changed. I, I don't know if anyone saw the uh, the Apple uh, virtual reality goggles. <laughs> Those are insane. But, you know, I, I would imagine in 11 years we're still watching on giant televisions, but the interconnectivity to the Internet will probably be at a much bigger level. So, you know, if you're YouTube and you're like, OK, we're you know, we're doing this. And then in 11 years, your growth of your own product, of your own TV product is actually valuable. Then you're like, hey, NFL, you know, we can, you know, we can do some of this stuff in a, in a much bigger way. Let, let's dance. And that is really the in for them is to for the next, you know, after this six years or whatever, or the 11 years that they're going to have, you know, on the stations as we know it. At that point, YouTube's going to want to slide in and go, OK, now we're ready to, to, have, to do the big deal. So that's the stuff that is is going to be super interesting. But again, who knows what's going to happen in eleven years? Mm-hmm. We, you know, the way that we watch TV may be completely different than than we do today. So, hell, in eleven years, by by then, there could have been a gambling scandal that takes this whole thing down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know they're they're slapping guys on the wrist now for sure. Unfortunately, uh, I, that's the only thing I think see stopping it is, 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 you know, some kind of widespread cheating scandal that could, you know, this uh, other, other than that, this thing, it should be a drug or not that just prints money and just keeps on growing, yeah. um, at this, at, at just a, um, astounding rate. So it's going to be, it's going to be real fun to watch. And I, I'm not rooting on it. The, it's collapsed because it's something that I enjoy immensely um but it's it's um it's just it's it's just um man it's like damn can it can it really <laughs> grow at this rate i mean but i mean i don't see anything stopping it i mean it, it just continues to get bigger and bigger and they're they're gonna add more teams and rogers trying to get to into europe and you know <laughs> trying to get over i mean it's it's just i mean you know and it, it's just and he's in a in a place where it's like everything they touch turns to gold. So, I mean, it's whatever ideas they have, it seems like they're, you know, it, it it's, um, they all work. I mean, because I, I, I just think because the product is just so compelling is, yeah. is what I think it is. Even though old school guys like you and me were like, ah, oh, back in the nineties, football was better, but you have to be able to evolve with the times and the yeah. NFL has done so better than just about anybody else, even though they have also had the most hiccups when it comes to national, uh, you know, national issues. And, yeah. uh, and they are not the most sensitive of the organizations that is for sure, but it hasn't hurt them or they've been able to bounce back. But you know, what's so awesome about doing this with you is I came into the show and we were texting and I was like, bosa that's the only thing i have and you sent me some other stuff that's kind of like evergreen stuff that we could always go back to and i thought i was like oh wow you know oh well maybe we'll do like a half an hour we'll just cut this thing short we talked about nfl contracts nick bosa nfl tv deals for now almost 56 minutes so that just tells you uh how fun this show is you know me doing this with you that we can talk almost a full hour and hit one thing on the topic list. It's pretty yeah. amazing. I, I wasn't really worried, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is because it, it's magic, man. We make magic. I mean, this I is um, I, I just so in, I look forward. I was that's why I I sent you a text, you know, you know, kind of asking what we're gonna do this because I know it's Father's Day and it, I would understand if you didn't, but it's something that I really look every two weeks and oh, I can't yeah. wait till we get back on a weekly schedule. But yeah, it's something that I really look forward to doing. Um and I know at least Shelvin is listening. <laughs> so <laughs> so that that's three of us. There you so go. um yeah I mean I enjoy it. And like I say it was we we were able to stretch that one topic you know, we got the hour in. Yeah, there you go. So we'll hold off on the other uh, couple of evergreen topics that you had mm-hmm. maybe for last time, for next time, or though yeah. maybe more stuff. But I will give one more recommendation. I mentioned that podcast called Acquired. They also did an episode on the NFL, which oh, was really? awesome. Okay. It was excellent. So, 
you talked about Al Davis, and that's what kind of triggered it in my mind because Al Davis is obviously a big part of that because this whole AFL and NFL thing. But listen to that. I, w- I want to say it's like a three-hour podcast, so they they really oh, wow. get in the weeds on it, and they, and they talk about things that you know. I felt I felt like oh, you know, I know the history of this league, and I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So uh, it's re- it's a really good listen for for you know someone who enjoys the history of stuff. Oh, I think, yeah. I think uh, I'm definitely gonna be listening to that tomorrow. All right, uh, all right. So thanks to everybody for checking in with us. Like I said. I uh, hope you had a great weekend. Uh, hope, if if you are a father, hope you had a great Father's Day. Uh, Juneteenth uh, on Monday is, is today, and you know I, I'm taking this one and and being really present in in, in mind of, about this holiday. So uh, thank you to Ron for for being here and and doing this with me. Uh, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. This is Colin Kelly from the Road of His Fantasy Football Podcast Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. And over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team. Pod- podcast network and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire Invest round or want to find out more information go to wefunder.com forward slash blue wire